Hey y'all, welcome to the 11th Hour God Podcast, where we share testimony of how God is working in people's lives. We call this podcast the 11th Hour God, not because he shows up in the 11th hour, it's because we tend to see him in our 11th hour when we've finally given it all to him and are at our breaking point. I'm Jake. And I'm Kenny. Thank you for joining us today. Hey guys, welcome back. Um, As always, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, So today we are going to be doing part two of our fostering testimony. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, which is part one, please stop right here. Go back to last week's episode and listen to that because that'll preface um, what we are showcasing today. Yeah, I think, you know, last week we described how hard it was for us in some moments. Um, And, you know, we truly just wanted to be honest. And I hope that didn't scare anybody away. Yeah, because the good times that we had through all of it truly outweighed the bad. I mean, like just meeting these kids and having them in our life and the lifelong relationships that we'll have with them um, and just where we saw God and all the beauty during our fostering journey outweighed the bad by, I mean, like a million percent. Yeah, because we still keep in contact with a good amount Mm -hmm. um, pretty continually or pretty continuous. Yeah, we have some of them that just constantly reach out to us as well and, you know, tell us they miss us and we we miss them as well. It We really did have some good times with them for sure. Yeah. So let me ask you, we talked the last episode and even into this episode about um, we wish we would have shown these kids more grace. Now that we've stepped away from it for a little bit, what do you think that would look like today? Um, honestly, it really comes down to, I just wish I would have been more understanding. Yeah. And just with that, have more patience, I think for me. Yeah. I mean, when you say for me, you probably mean for me. (laughs) I do, but I don't want to put you on the spot. So, um, yeah, I wish I had more patience. I wish I had more, um, my patience took the forefront rather than my frustration. Yeah, because each kid, I think, was so different. Their traumas and their background um, and how they needed to be handled was different than the next kid. Or even within sibling sets were so different how they handled stuff. Yeah, and also it was hard because, you know, like these kids have come from traumatic one way or another backgrounds, you know, but they, most of them just seem so normal. And I don't mean normal in a bad way. I just mean like they don't seem like they came from trauma, or they had any of those underlying issues, you know? So you kind of just expect of them what you would expect any other kid. And when they don't meet up to your expectations... It was frustrating. It was frustrating. And looking back on it now, I just, like you said, I just wish I would have had more patience and let um, Grace lead the way rather than frustration. Yeah, for sure. So with that, let me ask you how along the same lines of grace, how would we have shown grace differently towards the parents and family of these kids? I think the same thing, just be more understanding of their situation, you know, like because of what some of these parents put these kids through, I think for us, like it just made us so angry that they would do these things to these kids. Yeah. And I think like we talked about, like we thought it was protection, right? Like we were protecting these kids from the harmful things that some of the parents or family members could do. And we didn't show them grace like Jesus. Like Jesus didn't walk away from the sinners. He went to them. He helped them. Right. Um, I think we should have done a better job of understanding that these parents had demons and they were fighting their demons. Um, And unfortunately the kids were just collateral damage but just because they you know had these demons didn't mean that they didn't love these kids and I think sometimes we felt that way which I think sometimes led to us feeling like we needed to protect these kids from their parents and that was such a bad way of thinking so anyways um we'll get back to our testimony so you know last episode we left off with um, saying bye to our 17-year-old, but we want to kind of pick up with the three kids that we had during that time. So we had those three little kids for 17 months. And during this time, those kids started to call us mama and papa. So, you know, we told them, I'm Auntie Kenny, this is Uncle Jake. But at this point in the beginning, their parents weren't really active in their life. So uh, the youngest boy... 
um, started calling Jake Papa. So the the girls started calling him Papa and then they started calling me Mama. Um, we felt so guilty about that because we weren't their parents. So we would correct them, but they would keep gravitating towards those names. And we were told, let them. That's what they want to call you. You let them call you that. Yeah, it's a sense of comfort for them. Yeah. If they're comfortable calling you that, then just let them. Yeah. So with these three kids, man, we fell in love with them. We know we had the littlest one since birth. Um, to us, like these are our babies. Their parents, they had visitation with their parents. Again, just another story that's not ours to tell. So we're not going to go into detail about their parents. But um, sometimes the parents were there. Sometimes they weren't there. We became very protective of them. And even with their visits with their either father or mother, whoever they were seeing at the time, um, if something wasn't right, like if, if the baby came back with diaper rash, we would make it known. It's We became these people that our hearts were so hardened by the state and by their parents and my previous parents that we just felt like we needed to fight for these kids. Anything that we didn't agree with, we needed to say something. You know, we needed to speak up. And I know for me, I showed up to every court hearing. I wrote a letter to the judge every time with just what I thought needed to be said. And I think for me, I was splitting hairs for stuff that was just so insignificant. Yeah. I tried to call out every little thing like I was sitting on a perfect throne, but I wasn't. Yeah, same. Yeah. And but I think it's because we remember how they came to us as feral kids. Yeah. And I remember this one time I was so angry. I was heading into court and I was ready to just stand up and tell everybody how it was and how these kids were doing so well in our care. And I remember that the father was there. And I remember I can't really explain it other than just Jesus and the Holy Spirit came over me. And I just remember I walked up to him and shook his hand and told the interpreter, like, let him know that if he needs anything, you know, we're willing to help. And it was just so different from where my mind was at before I walked in. And that's how I knew that that was the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But like I said, we genuinely did feel like we were protecting them because anything that the parents did wrong during visitation or if they didn't do something right in general, in our heads, at least in my head, I was like, well, you shouldn't be getting your kids back until you fix this, until you are- Until you're perfect. Until you're perfect, which none of us are. So that was like something that they would never have been able to live up to. But in my head, I just felt like you hurt them. Now you need to be perfect in order to give them back. Yep. And that was such a horrible way of thinking. And, you know- So we went through this whole process with them. It was ups and downs. There's a point even that the social worker was like, hey, we actually am not sure if parents are going to be able to get it together. Would you guys be open to guardianship of this kids? Yeah. And again, for those that don't know the foster system, most states and court systems put a year cap on parents getting their stuff together for the parents to get clean or whatever they have to do. Um, And for these kids, we were already kind of past that year mark. So it was kind of trying to decide what was going to happen next. Yeah. So, you know, they, they had to start figuring things out. Like if, if they don't get their stuff in order, what's next? So that's why they asked us about guardianship. And if it was adoption, I feel like it would have been a no brainer for us. But the guardianship thing was so different because at any point, if you took guardianship of kids, at any point, the parents can still come back and say and fight for them and say, hey, I got a lawyer and I'm going to fight for these kids to get them back and they could be taken away from us. Even 10 years or 12 years right. later. Uh, up until they turn 18, basically. So that was something that we're like, this is something that we're really going to need to pray about, you know, because I don't know that I can handle having these kids for 10 years and then just have them taken away from me. You know, like obviously we would want their parents to get better and get on track, but selfishly that was like, that was really hard. Cause I mean, at this point we've had this kids for over a year. We raised the littlest one from birth. The other two, we basically raised because they were way behind where they should have been developmentally. Yeah. We got them both out of diapers, the two older ones. Right. They were speaking. They could hold conversations. Yeah. I mean, we went through a lot with them during this time though. Like it's very safe to say that we've, we completely fell in love with these kids. Like we, 
had loved them just as much as we could love our own children. The other thing that a lot of people don't talk about is that our families completely fell in love with them, you know? Birthdays and holidays, they were getting presents and stuff, and they were no different than any other grandkid that our parents had. Yeah. You know, as Kenny said, her dad has a ranch in Hawaii, so these kids were riding horses Mm -hmm. and doing all kinds of fun stuff that they've never experienced before. Yeah, and the oldest girl like she became my mini me she was inseparable me and her were inseparable she acted like me jake would always call her my mini me because she had my attitude (laughs) but she went from this feral little girl to this just intelligent loving vibrant little girl and now she truly had such a light in her eyes like she had this gorgeous big blue eyes and there was just so much behind it now you know she was literally a different child and I just had so much joy when she called me mama you know so like yes I I understood this whole time that she wasn't my daughter I understood this whole time that nine times out of ten she is gonna go back to her real parents but for all intensive purposes, she was my little girl. He was my little boy. The baby was my little baby, our baby, you know? And so we, during this time, we just fell in love with them. And the more we fell in love with them, the more we felt we needed to protect them. And because of past circumstances and circumstances during, during this relationship with these kids, we honestly, And I know this isn't true looking back on it, but we genuinely felt like we were the only ones fighting for them. Yeah. We genuinely felt like they were just a burden to everybody else. And we were the only ones that loved them and wanted what was best for them and was fighting for them. And looking back on it, that was the enemy whispering those things in our ear because obviously their mom and dad loved them. Obviously their social worker cared. You know, they didn't have a relationship with the kids like we did, but they cared. We just sometimes forgot that all the other parties, the parents, the social workers, whoever they were, that their circumstances and their side was different than ours. Just because they didn't show love and show that they cared the way that we did doesn't mean that they didn't. Yeah, I expected everybody to have the same passion and fire for these kids that we did. Yeah. And it's just not feasible for a mom who's going through hard times and trying to get her life back on track. Yeah. It's not feasible for a social worker who has 30 kids she's trying to manage. Yeah. Or it's not feasible for a judge who sees a hundred different cases in court each week. And I think this is just a testimony of who God is when, you know, everything could have fallen apart at this time. He really just helped us get through all of it. And he just showed so much grace to us. Yeah. But I think it's also because he knew our hearts because there wasn't, malice in our hearts as we were going through this um we genuinely thought that we were doing the right thing by just just fighting really fighting for them and it it wasn't wrong for us to fight for them it was wrong for us to not have more grace while we're doing it honestly i really wish that we could go into every little aspect of this journey especially with these three kids because we saw god so much in all of it unfortunately we just don't have enough time for that But then, you know, also I do want to touch on like our relationship with the kids. Again, like I said, I did have so much regrets too because me being the warden and being so strict, I wish that we would have even given the kids a little bit more grace and not been so hard on them sometimes, you know, like, I mean, to be completely honest, I shouldn't be saying we, I should definitely say just uh, um, me because I just felt like I had to correct every little thing that they did wrong because if I didn't, they wouldn't change for the better um, and they would go back to those feral kids that they came as, you know, just because, especially the older girl, how she came to us always stuck in my mind and I would always just tell myself, don't let her get away with anything. If she does anything wrong, you make sure that's corrected um, or else she's going to go back to that. And I could have definitely had so much more grace with her and I should have understood that I could let her get away with some stuff sometimes and she wouldn't go back to that because the way that we were um, raising them and loving them would have still made them the incredible kids that they left us as. So what, we had them a total of 17 months? Mm Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a roller coaster ride at the beginning of 2020. Yeah. We were being told that 
the parents may not get their stuff together, that we need to start talking about guardianship. And then it was kind of like, well, we need to start discussing reunification and what that looks like. Yeah, I just feel like my emotions were kind of everywhere at that point. Yeah, it was such a wave of emotions because things would change every week, it seemed like. Yeah, and it was it was just so hard because at this point we were so in love with them and so invested in them. And you know, once somebody says the word adoption or guardianship, it like changes things because you're, because now you, you're hanging on to a little bit of this hope. And, you know, we prayed about the whole guardianship thing and we decided like, if it came to that, yes, like even if their parents came back 10 years later, five years later, whatever it was and took them from us, we wouldn't say no to these kids. We love them so much. There's no way we could have been like, no, give them to another foster family, you know? Right. God put them in our lives for a reason. We knew that. Yeah. Um, and at this point we were really the only parents they knew. I mean, not necessarily cause they were having more visits with their parents at this point. So, um, it kind of got, I think it got confusing for them. Yeah. Um, sometimes they cried and didn't want to go to visitation. Sometimes at visitations with their parents, they cried and didn't want to come back with us. Right. Like it was confusing for them. So confusing. Yeah. I mean, as confusing and hard as it was for us, I can't imagine what they were going through. Right. Um, but Anyways, what it all came down to was that by the grace of God, their mom got clean and got out of rehab. Um, And shortly after she got out of rehab, we were told, oh, the kids are going to go back. This is it. The kids are going to go back. And I just felt so heartbroken. Yeah, it was hard. So, babe, how did you feel when we got this news? Because this was it. I think for me, I wasn't nearly as sad as you were. I think because my heart had already been hardened over the roller coaster we had already been through. I think this was the third time we were told that they were going home. So I think I set myself up for that early on. And I don't think I was as sad as I was bad. And mainly because we didn't feel like it was happening appropriately. Yeah, me too. Because when we got the news that they were going to be reunified, um, that was really hard on us. But we thought, you know, at least we have some time with them still and mom will have some time to get used to having five kids. But then it was like maybe a couple of days later that we got the call and they're just like, uh, no, we're just going to give them back. Yeah. Like you said, it was COVID. Yeah. And at that time, Hawaii was really strict and everything was locked down. You couldn't go into a lot of places. They were just very safeguarded at that time. I don't think they wanted the back and forth and the transfer of germs. So it was kind of like cut it and go. So normally reunification is... Um, we're going to spend a night, we're going to have visitations with mom and dad um, once a week or twice a week or whatever it is. And then we're going to start overnight visits to make sure mom and dad can handle this and so on and so forth. So it's like a, it's a very time consuming slow. Yeah. It's a slow process, you know, but the call we got was, Oh, it's COVID. We don't want the kids going back and forth. We're just going to give them back to mom and dad. And that's what just, we did not sit well with us because we were like, she literally just got out of rehab. Um, she ended up having twins um, as well. So she had twins with her while she was in rehab and she was going to have these three kids. So she was going to have five kids under the age of four, four and under. Yeah. When the two had gotten removed, she had just given birth. So she had only known two kids in her home while she was pregnant. As soon as she had given birth, they were all removed from the home. So now she's coming back fresh and sober with five kids. Yeah. And three of them very young and in diapers and still needing a lot of attention. Yeah. And she had never had by herself all five kids together, you know, and you can probably guess what happened next. We emailed anybody that would listen. We called anybody that would listen to voice our concerns about this, but we were genuinely concerned about it because we felt like she just got out of rehab and you guys are setting her up for failure now. Like this is going to be incredibly, incredibly hard on her. And yes, that was also in the picture. Um, but it was, it would be mostly her, you know, taking care of these kids kids and this was going to be incredibly hard hard on her and you're setting her up for failure like you're not setting her up for success you're not um slowly transitioning her so she can get used to having five kids and every everybody that we spoke to was like we understand but this is the way it is yep and we were just flabbergasted that this was even happening like obviously we were so heartbroken you know, we're not going to sit here and, and lie to you and say, oh, all we cared about was mom, because that would be completely untrue. I mean, we 
100% cared about her and cared about her success because the last thing we would have wanted was for her to get back the kids and completely be overwhelmed and completely fail and go back to where she was when this all started and for the kids to have to deal with that again, you know. But at the same time, we were broken that these kids were being taken away from us. And I think because we love them so much and we honestly couldn't imagine not having them in our lives, that's where our frustration stemmed from. Yeah, we had already traveled with these kids. We had gone to different islands. We came over to Texas and visited. And we created this little family that was cohesive and just worked. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. But we would tend to forget that these weren't our kids, you know, and it's not easy to remember that sometimes when you're in the thick of it, because for all intents and purposes, they were our kids. But what it came down to is that all of our concerns, everything we had to say didn't matter. Not necessarily that it didn't matter, but it didn't change anything. It didn't change anything, right. At the end of the day, the court made a ruling and that's the way it is. We even called their guardian and light and was like, what can we do to make sure that this is a slower process that, um, you know, she's fully equipped to take over having these children. And she was like, I agree with you. I don't think they should be doing this, but there's nothing we can do at this point. So after a lot of crying and heartbreak and everything, everything that you can imagine. Um, we finally just gave it to God and was like, Lord, if this is what is supposed to happen, if they're supposed to go back home with their mom and dad right now, even if we don't agree with it, like that's not our decision to make. Right. Um, if this is what's supposed to happen, let us be okay with it. Like, let us just have grace in this situation and please just protect them. Yeah, I was going to say that that, prayer of protection wasn't a one-time deal. It was an everyday Mm -hmm. thing. And honestly, in that moment, it felt like the Lord wasn't present. Like he wasn't protecting the kids or protecting the parents or even protecting us. But that's because, you know, like we previously said with our first placement, things went back to the way they were when we got the kids. And that's exactly what we thought was going to happen here, you know? And I don't want to say that I was angry with God, but I just didn't understand. I was angry. Yeah, and I think it took you a little bit to realize that. Yeah, I did. And, oh my gosh, I'm crying again. (laughs) Even now, like, I'm so at peace with them going back home, like they're doing amazing with her, their mom. Their mom's doing amazing. We keep in contact. She's been so gracious to us. Honestly, like I don't even know if she's a believer and I feel like she's been more gracious to us than we were her back then. 100%. You know, like she's kept in contact and she still tells them to call us Mama Kenny and Papa Jake. She sends updated pictures. Yeah, she's been incredible and we're just very thankful for her. Yeah. But to go back to when they left, we got that date and time of when the kids would be leaving. And so we had a few days to just really spend time with them and love them up for the final times. Um, and it was hard. <laughs> I cried so much. You still do. <laughs> I still do. I mean, and, and I'm like I said, and I'm so at peace with them being back home. Like, I don't even give it a second thought about like, what if, what if, what if, you know, like none of that crosses my mind, but it was such an emotional time. Um, I remember the day that came that they were going to go home and it was just so somber. I remember. We played outside. We played outside. We just hung out with them, but we spent a lot of time just like in the house, no TV on, just talking to them, Um, recording videos with them, asking them questions. And I think what was even harder was that they thought that they were just going on another visit. Like they didn't know this was goodbye. You could tell they didn't understand it. We tried to. Yeah, they didn't understand. Let them know that they wouldn't be seeing us anymore. And the van came and took them. We said goodbyes and they're like, bye, you know, see you later type thing. And we're just like, nope, (laughs) we won't be seeing you later. Um, and after they left, I just cried. I felt broken. Wow, I didn't think it'd be so hard <laughs> reliving this, but it is because it was honestly such a traumatic time in my life because I just felt like these kids that we raised and loved on, who loved us, they just got taken away from us for no reason. 
you know, obviously that wasn't true because they weren't our kids. They didn't get taken away from us for no reason, but that's what it felt like. You know, you just have to, your heart couldn't differentiate. Right. And I was broken. I was absolutely broken for a while for a while and you know people go through depression for certain things and I was always the person like oh my like I never understood it like to me I'm just like pull yourself up from your bootstraps and carry on because that's how I always dealt with life you know I I had a lot of hard things that happened in my life and I just like sucked it up and carried on and so that's what I had to tell myself too like Kenny, pull yourself up from your bootstraps, suck it up and carry on. It is what it is. Nothing's going to change. But I just felt this like heaviness for the next few months. Um, I tried to just like, and I feel like maybe I did do a good job of pretending that I was okay. You 100% did. Yeah. Like you seem normal, but you could tell something was still missing. Yeah, it was them. Yeah. <laughs> they were missing like my heart, a piece of my heart was gone. And you know, we just prayed for them. We continue to pray for their parents that they would be successful and that the Lord would equip them um, with the tools they needed to care for these kids. And this is something that we would continue to pray for, that she would be so successful and they would be so successful and that um, this is what she needed to like pull herself out of, out of, her demons. Her demons, yeah. So we just prayed for them. And it was a couple months later. I don't remember if I reached out to her or she reached out. I think I did. Yeah, you reached out to her. Not not sure like how she would react to me reaching out. So it was like, it was a really nerve wracking time. But at this point, like we had kind of come to peace with everything that happened. And I just, we genuinely just wanted her to know, like, we're here for you. And I honestly wish, wish we would have reached out sooner to let her know that there were people on her side, you know, cheering her on. And, and we just wanted to let her know that we were there for her in case she needed anything, because we knew that it wasn't going to be easy. It was going to be hard. Um, and they, she was doing good. They were yeah. doing good. Like she had, you know, she had struggles, obviously. Um, so she would ask my advice on some stuff um, and things or like that. Or how you got them to eat vegetables. Yeah, or how I got the oldest one to stop throwing tantrums mm-hmm. and just different things like that. So we'd answer every question she had. Um, she was gracious enough to allow us to visit them that one time. Yep. Um, and it went so well. And it was just such a crazy feeling because it was only a few months later. But I'm so thankful that we got that visit because I think that was like seeing that they were happy, yeah, that they were taken they were. care of, that mom and dad were happy and they were so excited. They had a good home. They had a good home. Um, it wasn't like it was in our heads that they would be going back to this just bad life that, that we got them from, you know? It was so different. And I think yeah. that's what kind of was able to help us close that chapter on them and yeah. kind of get me out of my funk. Yeah, hundred percent. God knew that that's what we needed to see. Yeah. So, babe, how did you feel when the kids left? I think I was heartbroken as well. Um, I don't think it was nearly the level that you were, but it was hard to shift what we've known for so long to nothing, to not having to worry about taking to preschool or picking them up from daycare or whatever. Um. So it was hard. It definitely was hard to, to see them go and to just not hear their laugh around the house anymore or to hear them, you know, tell us good night when we would put them to bed or the little finger wave that the oldest one would do. Yeah, I definitely miss that still sometimes. And, you know, I do just want to share that um, I'm just so, we are just so incredibly proud of their mom. Um, she is four years silver now and they have this like large home with a big backyard um, and they're just providing so well for their kids. Um, and them as parents have just completely exceeded our expectations um, and have turned this into such a huge success story. 
you know, looking back now, we may have felt like the Lord wasn't present in certain circumstances, but it's so apparent that he truly was, you know, he was working everything out to truly protect these kids and their family. Yeah. And during everything going on with these three kids, we had also um, gotten a placement of a sibling set back in November of 2019. Yeah. And we had um, a few other kids that were with us during that time as well, in and out. Um, we, we always just had a bunch of kids. <laughs> you know, we also want to point out that most of the other kids that were in our care over the years had a good reunification plan or some kind of plan to head back to family. Yeah. We were really able to enjoy our time with these kids and not have to be constantly fighting the foster care system. You know, not every situation was as hard as it was with these three kids or our 17 year old. Yeah, not at all. So anyway, 2020 came along. And at this point now we have five kids because we have the two siblings set and we have these three siblings because they haven't gone home yet. Yeah. So it was right after New Year's of 2020. Yeah. Our house is chaotic at this point. Kids are swinging from chandeliers and coming out of every door and Kenny gets a call. (laughs) And I get a call from Jane. And every time we get a call from her, it's usually, hey, can you take some kids? (laughs) Yes. So 99% of the time she knew she could count on us because most of the times we said yes. I always just felt so guilty saying no. Like I never wanted any of these kids to not have a place to stay for the night, you know? Right. But I knew I knew God would take care of them either way, but I just felt like we had to say yes unless we absolutely couldn't. Right. So she calls and she's like, Kenny, I have a baby and this one, I can't tell you for sure, but she's most likely going to go into adoption. Do you guys want her? And I was like, yes, 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 we will take her. And I looked at Jake and I was like, screaming, she's screaming on the phone. Yes. Oh my gosh. I looked at Jake and I was like, but I should probably talk to my husband first. So I'll let you know for sure. But yes. (laughs) And I want to, um, just quick, really quickly, just share a little story. Um, one of my absolute best friends from when I was really young, um, her name is Tara. I don't remember if this is right before we started our fostering journey or if it was like during the beginning of it, but she and I had a conversation and she was like, Kenny, you know, the Lord showed me a dream of you holding hands with a little girl. And I remember thinking, oh, okay, that's, so that's probably, we're probably going to have like a little foster girl or something. And she was like, no, this was your girl. She's like, I don't know how you're going to get her, but you're going to have a little girl. And that always stuck with me, you know? So when I got this call and um, Jane said there was a little girl more, more than likely going to go into adoption. Do you want her? All I could think about was this. Now this was God's promise to me. You know, he, through my, my friend Tara, he did promise me a little girl and I've been hanging on to that. And this was his promise to me. And so I was so sure of it. So I hung up the phone and I told Jake, I was like, babe, can you believe it? Like, this is going to be our little girl. And what did you say? I said, we have five already. We're good. (laughs) No, really. We had five kids, some were in diapers, all various issues. There was just a bunch of stuff going on. And we had been told this so many times before and my heart was just like, absolutely not. Don't tell me this from day one when we've been told this so many times before and it never came to fruition. Yeah, but keep in mind, so this is when we still had those little three. So we haven't gone through that heartbreak of them being gone yet, you know, but we did go through the heartbreak of other ones being gone, of that one little boy at the beginning, you know, us being told he was going to go into adoption and him being taken away. And at this point, we were in that roller coaster right now with the three kids of, oh, they might be yours. No, they might not be yours. So Jake at this point was like, I cannot do this again. I cannot be told that I'm going to have this little girl and just have her be taken away from me. And I was like, babe, but what if she's ours? What if this is the little girl that God promised to us? So, you know, I finally get Jake to agree. Um, so, and then we call Jane and she basically said, Kenny, I'm sorry, but 
something came up and there's another family in the running to take this little girl. And we're just like, what do you mean? So this little girl was kind of left at the hospital um, and a nurse that worked at the hospital who um, was also fostering. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that story too, though. Who was also fostering that I had actually met before at the hospital. Um, We were going through one of those things with our 17 year old and she was... um, our 17-year-old's nurse and knew that that was our foster daughter. So she would ask me some questions about fostering and I just told her, jump in, do it. Yes, obviously we go through hard times, but jump in and do it. You won't regret it. And there's such a huge need. So yeah, please do this if the Lord's putting this on your heart. But anyway, so she's working at the hospital. So she's there when um, this little girl basically becomes available and she's already licensed. I don't remember exactly what happened, but I think maybe she had called the state or something and said that she wanted this right. little girl. Yeah, I think that's what happened, but don't something quote me to on that. that. Effect, yeah. um, so Jane was like, so now basically it's between the two of you and we're not sure what's going to happen yet. And so she was like, there's this lawyer that's in charge of this little girl. Her legal name is baby girl. So we're going to call her baby girl right now. Um, there's this lawyer that's in charge of this of baby girl and basically whoever gets to this lawyer first is going to get to keep her and we're just like are you kidding me i can't believe like we're having to deal with this this is insane this is exactly why you said no yeah, jake exactly. <laughs> this is exactly yeah, why. it became like a radio contest where the first person who calls in gets her yeah and it was insane to me so i see kenny take off her hoop earrings put up her titabun and start heading out no, the door I didn't. ready to fight <laughs> um so you know we hung up the phone and i was like oh my gosh we got to call the lawyer and the lord told me you need to pray and i was like you know in my head fighting him like no, like it's the first, time. we don't have time. The first to get to this lawyer gets her, you know, not thinking that God is in control, obviously. But again, my flesh just getting in the way, wanting things to go my way. Um, so I did though. I surrendered and I stopped and I told Jake just completely defeated. I told Jake, I was like, we need to pray. I said, you know, the Lord put in my heart that we need to pray about this. Like, this is such a huge thing. We do need to pray. So um, Jake prays for us. And after he's done praying, I just felt so defeated. I was like, whoa, that was a couple of minutes already there. You know, like, obviously this other woman's going to have gotten a hold of the lawyer and is going to have this little girl. But I was like, but you know what? Let me, let me call the lawyer and we'll go from there. Just again, completely defeated. And so we called the lawyer. Nobody answered. We left a message. And I was like, well, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's in. God's hands at this point. Yeah. Um, so I think you told me, call Jane and let her know that we called the lawyer and yeah. that's it. So we called Jane, let her know we called the lawyer. There was nothing there. And she's like, I'm, you know, she's just apologetic because this is just par for the course. In, in our heads, it's like, this is par for the course. <laughs> of course this is happening. <laughs> um, and she was like, you know, we'll keep you updated if we hear anything. And I said, okay, Bye. And, you know, we, I think we ended up going to, we did, we ended up going to run an errand. We had all the five kids. Um, and all I can think about is, is the lawyer going to call me back? Yeah. Just wanting this unknown number to call me and let me know like, Hey, yeah, we're going to, I don't know what I expected. Like, Hey, I choose you. You know, I don't know what I expected. Um, so Jake goes into the bank and while he's in the bank, I get a call from Jane. So I answered it and I'm like shaking because in my head- Does your heart drop at that point? Oh, my heart just completely dropped because in my head, I'm thinking she's calling me to let me know that this isn't going to be our little right. girl. And so I answer the phone and she's like somber and she's like, Kenny. So I spoke to, you know, our supervisor. Um, and we decided that this little girl is going to be yours. And I was like, what? Oh my gosh. Like, I am not sure that I've ever been so happy in my life. I couldn't believe it. And then Jay comes into the truck and I was just like, hey, so babe. <laughs> um, Jane called and they chose us. I remember that now. Like so nonchalant. <laughs> As if it was nothing. As if it was nothing. And, you know, at this point, we're completely forgetting that she's still not technically ours. We still have to go through the whole system. But it was like, that was just one obstacle that we had to 
get over and we and we did. Yeah, and two with baby girl, mom had already surrendered her at the hospital, so this case was already more in favor of an adoption. This wasn't mom trying to get her back. Um, mom had already given up her rights. She knew what she was doing, and she knew that baby girl needed to be with another family that could probably care for her better than she could. And I also want to share that later we would find out that um, mom had given birth to at least three other children that were surrendered or taken at some point too. Yeah, and you know, today we live in a world where women are told if this happens to you, you know, you can go down the road to a clinic and pay $500 and not have this burden anymore, where this woman, we were told by one of the nurses, told them that she didn't want to hurt this baby, which is why she did have so much going into adoption, you know, and people, um, I'm sure judged her for that. Like, why do you keep having all these kids if you can't take care of them? And, um, you know, unfortunately she, fortunately for us, (laughs) but unfortunately she got pregnant and she, in our eyes and in God's eyes, she did the right thing. And I know for us, we are just so beyond thankful for this woman and her courage to carry the term and to make that hard decision of giving up her child to bless another family. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't imagine how hard that could be, you know, knowing that she wasn't keeping that baby. Um, We pray for her still, and we are so incredibly thankful for her, and we just want nothing but the best things in life for her. Yeah. So after we got that call, you know, that we'd be getting this little girl, um, we went home and I remember calling Jane and she was telling us about this little girl and about how she had a lot of alcohol and drugs in her system and she could likely have fetal alcohol syndrome and all this stuff. And we were just like, I don't care. Yeah. That would never have played into our decision. Yeah. Do you want to share the story of how this is a testimony that kind of ties back to when we first got into fostering. So do y'all remember that we told you on our first day of class when we got our license, my cousin and his wife were there and they were adopting a little baby girl. Well, come to find out, this was that little baby girl's full sister. We learned later that my cousin and his wife had actually gotten the call to take this little girl in. Um, and they you know, decided that it just wasn't their time um, to take another child in. Uh, so that's why we ended up getting the call because Jane knew that um, we, we wanted to adopt. And so this just kind of came full circle and it, we just saw the Lord in this so much. And I don't think that it could have happened apart from God, honestly, the way that it did. This testimony is just so important for us because I think it shows how faithful God is and just his love for us. Yeah. So we were able to go to the hospital and we walk in and here's this tiny little baby just laying there with oxygen tubes still in her nose. She was just sleeping and she was the most precious thing I had ever seen. And we um, immediately gave her her own name. Legally, her name was Baby Girl, but we wanted her to have her name already, you know. Um, so we named her James Marion. Which we had come up with years before. Yeah. And, you know, we truly believe that God had promised us a, um, a little girl. So we came up with that name a while before and we wanted to name her after two of our grandparents who we were incredibly close with and loved. Jake's grandfather, James, and my grandmother, Marion. We just wanted them to kind of live on um, in our little girl. So we named her James Marion. So that first time we held her, we called her James Marion and just loved on her. And I mean, it just, it was such a dream come true. And I don't say that lightly because, you know, this is January of 2020. We got married in February of uh, 2017. So this has been three years of us praying and just pouring our heart out to the Lord and constantly crying out to him um, to see this promise come to fruition. And, you know, I feel like it was especially hard being in the foster system now when you see these moms who are just like popping out babies one after another and can't take care of them. 
And it's just one of those things that is so hard to understand. And it kind of just leaves you just even more defeated, I guess. So when I say this was a dream come true, like there was nothing that we wanted more than this. Yeah, we had been waiting for so many years and trying to have our own children. And this was just such an answered prayer that we didn't even imagine seeing at that time. But anyways, now the hard part was still to come because we didn't know that she would for sure be ours forever, you know? And we just prayed. And I mean, there's things that we can go into about what had happened. But basically, again, COVID hit. Our adoption date got pushed because we couldn't go into courts. Um, It got pushed so long that the paperwork that mom signed was no longer valid. So they had to... Um, track her down and get the signature again and then they wanted to get biological dad's signature as well just in case so that he couldn't come back and get her so it was like this whole thing right um but god worked it out and one day i was reading my bible and i came across a verse and kenny what is james's birthday january 2nd and i just happened to be in the book of james and it was in chapter one so i got to james one two which correlates with james's birthday And it says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And I think we were just like, God, you're so good because our faith was tested over and over and over again. We went through storms over and over and over again. Yep. But even through all even through everything we went through and through us not making the best decisions and us not having grace, like the Lord was still faithful. Yeah. And I think too, it's just like I said before, he knew our heart. We never, we never had any malice intentions with anything that we did. Um, we honestly, through our whole journey, we, we always felt like, we were doing the right thing, you know? He definitely opened our eyes to some stuff, and but he still was faithful and still blessed us with the desire of our heart. And um, so January came, we got little baby James, roller coaster ride, going through everything. Um, we had six kids at this point. <laughs> I just felt like, you know, hands stretched out in front of me, just like a zombie this whole time. I feel like you probably did too. Yeah. We were switching, getting up in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. Well, this was COVID too. So we had all six kids at home. Um, I was homeschooling four of them, um, two of them based in preschool, two of them that were like behind as well. So, oh my gosh, it was a lot of frustrations at that point too. Um, And then I had a newborn. I had a one-year-old and you were working from home, so I try not to bother you, but that was just that impossible. Didn't that didn't happen. Yeah, and I was working at 4 a.m. because of the time difference to the mainland. Yeah, it was crazy. It doesn't even begin to describe our life no, at that no. time. Hectic, but, tornado, hurricane. Yeah. You know, like we said at that time, things are super chaotic and crazy, and I just don't have patience as it is. So, um, you know, I asked the Lord for patience, and he gave me um, a worldwide pandemic that shut everything down and left us with four kids with various learning disabilities to homeschool and two infants. So you got to be careful what you ask for sometimes. And how did that work out for you? I don't know. How did that work out for me? I think it took a little bit, but you got some patience out of it. Yeah. After they went back home. <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. Anyways, God got us through it. And, you know, the kids went, the three littles went home in May. I was broken. Um, but we were able to adopt little baby James on June 1st, 2020. And that was like one of the happiest days of both of our lives. Surrounded by friends and family. Surrounded by family and friends. A ton on Zoom. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Yeah, he gave us a desire of our heart. And with this little girl, I mean, we couldn't love her anymore if she was ours biologically. She has just been the biggest blessing. And I never knew I could be so in love. Not only was she a blessing to us, but she has been such a light to so many people. And I think we saw that early on. She just had this glow and people just radiated to her. And we would have strangers come up and just compliment her. And I just know that God has such big plans for her 
in other people's lives. Yeah, people are just drawn to her. She's just the most incredible little girl. So we got to adopt her, um, and when we did, we still had the two siblings set. And we had these siblings for about a year and a half as well, and, you know, of course, completely loved them. They're a little bit older. Uh, They were 8 and 10 when we got them. And they were just such great kids, you know, with their own trauma um, that we, and we got through a lot of that trauma. We broke through a lot of that trauma. But that was another one where we definitely did fight for their well-being. But fortunately, their social worker um, and the two of us did see eye to eye on where, on who they should be reunified with. So they're both doing really well, um, and we are definitely still in contact with them today as well. Um, Definitely miss them. We had some really great times with those two. So at this point, we stopped taking placements because we were going to be moving to Texas. And after that season, we were so tired. Yeah. I mean, we were so tired. We were so tired. (laughs) I still get tired thinking about it. I (laughs) know. Um. So we just had James at this point and our one of our other really good friends were fostering a little girl who we had in our lives the whole time. Um, she she definitely knew me as Warden Auntie Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> um, but our friends weren't able to keep her. So we were kind of given that call, like, do you guys want to foster her? And we were just like, we didn't want to say yes, but we also couldn't say no. Yeah. And we didn't want her going to just another foster family. We wanted her to stay with people that she knew. Yeah. Um, and our friends, that's why our friends asked us to take her over too, because they knew, obviously we knew her and she was comfortable with us. So, you know, it wouldn't be like starting fresh. So we were just like, yes, absolutely. We'll take her. So we had her up until about a couple months before we moved to Texas. So, you know, she did end up having to go to another foster family because we were moving, but we did get to meet them and they were super excited to take her in and that was kind of the end of our fostering journey in Hawaii but we know we're still called to do it and we know that our heart is still in it so we're getting back into it over here in Texas we've begun the training part of it um, but there's still quite a bit to do and paperwork to fill out um, to get licensed here and another thing is when we got over here to Texas, we did some church shopping and we finally landed on one here in New Braunfels. Called the Springs. And one of the big reasons we knew we were home with them is because they're very big advocates on mothers and children and just what a blessing children are. And so I think for us, it helped solidify that we knew we were doing the right thing of fostering again in the right place. Yeah. And, you know, we've been here in Texas for almost two years now. And at first it, it took us a while to get into signing up to foster here. Um, I don't want to say it's because our hearts were still healing. I think it's because we just remember how much we went through fostering right. and we just emotionally, I know I can't speak for you, but for me emotionally, I just wasn't ready to jump back in. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't either. And I, like I told you, I feel like God was telling us that that was our season as a family to rest, Yeah, you know, to get acquainted. We really only mm-hmm. knew one or two people here. So we just weren't ready. And I think God knew that we weren't ready. Yeah. But I think for me too, I just felt unworthy, you know, because of, my past mistakes with fostering, um, the enemy was definitely just whispering in my ear, like, you are not worthy for this. You are not worthy to take care of these kids. And I believe that for a bit. And it made it hard to get back in. But I recognize that those are the enemy's lies um, because we have no doubt that God's called us to do this, you know? And even though we make mistakes, even though we sin, God still calls us to do things. We are all sinners and we're all called called to do different things and we just need to be obedient to that. So after a while of us just putting it off, I just felt so convicted. Like, this is what I, you know, the Lord's saying, like, this is what I called you to do. Right. Be obedient, be obedient in that, right. which is when I finally reached out to Unhope, who is a fostering agency here. Um, they're a Christian organization, which is why we chose them um, and got us signed up for the first class. And so we're still going through classes. Um, it's taking probably a little bit longer than it should, um, but we're hoping to get there soon. And I think now we are in 
such a good community here in Texas and we have such a solid group of folks around us that God is laying those bricks to accommodate us beginning to have foster kids. You know, we had such a strong support system in Hawaii and now finally we have such an amazing support system here in Texas. Yeah, because here we are set up with such an amazing small group and we have this just godly group of friends now that I feel like we're finally set up for that now. So we are ready and excited to jump back in. You know, if this episode touched your heart and you want to foster, or even if you can't open your home and and foster to take placement, there's just so many different agencies and organizations that could use your help. I mean, if you know foster parents, offer them a date night. It's rare that they're able to get out and just enjoy a meal alone. Or there's a thing called a foster closet that most communities have. And it's sort of like a goodwill in the fact that they accept new and slightly used donations of car seats and beds and dressers and clothes that allow foster parents to come down and and get these items um, so that can help with the cost a little bit. So if you have something you want to donate, look up a foster closet and donate it there rather than a goodwill. Yeah. And um, I know that our testimony might have scared some people away from fostering. We truly hope that it did not. Um, If the Lord's putting it on your heart to foster, you know, obviously we can't promise you that it's going to be easy. We can promise you it won't be easy. Yeah, we can promise you it will not be easy. Yeah. But if you are called to it, he will equip you to handle it. And we can promise you that it will be worth it though. 100%. Because something that he kept reminding us about and he's still reminding us about when we, you know, we're putting off fostering here is that it's not about us. Yep. It's about them. This isn't supposed to be easy for us, although there's times that it is, and it's amazing. This isn't supposed to be fun for us, although there's times, most of the time, honestly, it is, and it's amazing. Yeah. We urge you, if the Lord is putting this on your heart, go out there, contact an agency. We go through One Hope. They're amazing. We will be happy to give you their information. If you reach out to us, you can email us, you can DM us. Or if you want to know more or you have questions or you want to know other options, please feel free to contact us. Ask us those questions. We'd love to answer them. Yeah. Just please, if the Lord's putting on your heart, be obedient. Like, especially in Texas, it's so different here because there are so many children that don't have homes. Yeah, I was just going to say that... One Hope had given us a fact that if every church, at least here in Texas, stepped up and had one foster family, we would completely eliminate the need for additional foster homes. Just one family out of every church. Yo, that's huge because there's over 3,000 kids right now in foster care that are needing to be adopted. So you can foster... You can foster to adopt or you can go straight into adoption. There's many, many, many options out there and so many kids that need us, that need a loving family. And if you're that person that says, I could never do what you guys do because it would be way too hard, then you're the person that they need. They need somebody who cares and that's going to put their whole heart into it. Like we are begging you to do that because they need this. They need you. Yeah. And the thing is, you may be the first person to share Jesus with these kids. A lot of times these kids come from broken homes and really bad situations, and they may Mm -hmm. not have heard about Jesus or the gospel or his love. And so you may be the first one sharing that with them. So again, contact us if you have any questions. Um, Obviously, we are very open (laughs) about our experience, um, and we will help you as much as we can, lead you in the right direction as much as we can. Yeah. Again, we just thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to just a little bit of our fostering journey. And um, like Kenny said, we could be here for hours and episode after episode of just all of the minute details that have gone into it for the few years we did it. Um, So we just are so thankful that everybody keeps tuning in and that you continue to listen. And we just can't wait to see where this goes and who we have on in the future and just the testimonies that we get to bring you guys. So again, we just thank you so much. We'll see you all next week. See you and God bless. Oh, and stick around till the end of this episode for a special little treat. Hi, baby. Hi. What's your name? James. James what? Marion. Bender. 
James Marion Bender. And how old are you, sweetie? Three. You're three. And what do you want to be when you grow up? A mermaid. A mermaid. <laughs> hey, do you know that mommy and daddy love you more than anything in the world? Yeah. And you know that nothing you can ever do will ever change that? Yeah. Can you say your mantra? A mantra. <laughs> I am strong. I am brave. I am worthy. I am loved. I am beautiful. I am smart. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh my gosh, you really, really are. I love you so much. I love you so much.